Thank you, Miss Marjorie. It's good to have that time with the younger church. Now I invite us as we pray the prayer of illumination. Let us pray. O oh God, by your Holy Spirit, tell us what we need to hear and show us what we ought to do to obey Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. You've just heard this gospel lesson, and you will hear it again this morning. The gospel lesson comes to us from the gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter, reading the parable of the wheat and the weed, and then God's, I mean, then Christ's response to that, reading uh, verses 24 through 30, and then 36 through 43. Listen now to a word from the Lord. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? And he answered, an enemy has done this. And the slave said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then Jesus left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him saying, explain to us this parable of the weeds of the field. And Jesus answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers. And they will throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Whether you are a backyard gardener or a farmer, a professional, you know the nuisance of weeds. This week I was standing in one of your backyards at a sacred distance and I learned about a type of weed grass that has thorny spikes 
that prick your fingers as you try to reach and extract the roots. Weeds take over. They spread quickly like the bamboo in my own yard. And farmers, they've been dealing with weeds forever. Seminary professor Elizabeth Johnson says a botany lesson helps us to understand this parable. A noxious weed which grows plentifully in Israel is called darnel. These are the tares, the weeds. To an untrained eye, darnel looks like wheat as it grows, and only at maturity do you know the difference between darnel and wheat. As wheat ears ripen, they are heavy and they droop, but darnel ears stand straight up. Only at the harvest is the good seed most obvious. In this parable, the evil one and impact from the evil one's seed and God's ultimate judgment feature prominently. The master plants the seeds. The evil one comes along at night and sows evil seeds, weeds, and soon wheat and weeds grow together. The slaves want to know if the master wants them to pull those weeds, to make it right, to fix it, so to speak. And the master says, no, let them grow together. Tearing out the weeds now would harm the wheat. The master says, we will deal with these weeds at harvest time. Attracted to Christ, thinking and trusting that he could be the promised Messiah, these disciples followed Christ and listened to his teachings and parables. Sometimes I think about those early disciples. Why did they follow Jesus? What was it that had them leave the comfort of their jobs, their families? What was it that allowed them to risk a sense of security to follow this man, Jesus, whose actions were radical? They caused conflict, and they were not particularly welcomed by the systems in power. What did they think when he told his parables like this one. Whatever they thought, this is what they saw. Where there was hunger, he brought bread and fish. And where there was pain, he brought healing. And where there was injustice, he brought merciful action. Two chapters later in the Gospel of Matthew, Peter, standing before Jesus, offers this challenge about the things that defile humanity. And he presses Jesus to explain. Again, Peter says, Jesus, what does this mean? Peter is pleading with Christ for an understanding. And Jesus says, Peter, it is not what you say with your mouth. It's what comes out of your heart 
that defiles. Evil intentions, theft, false witness, slander, it comes from your heart. Jesus explains to Peter that these things untethered in our hearts lead to evil. I think Jesus' answer to Peter demands that we examine our hearts today. When we are around the energy of God's love in Jesus Christ, it's palpable. You know it. You feel it. You sense you are in the presence of the holy. And I suspect it was the same then as it is now. It's, it's an energy that is bigger than evil because it's God's work, God's power at work in the world. And God's power is always grounded in loving kindness. These disciples that are listening to these parables, they needed help understanding the details of the parable of the wheat and the weeds. So they asked Jesus, their teacher, could you explain this, please? And the slaves of the master asked, did you not sow good seed? What were you thinking? And the master responds, no, let them grow together. An enemy has done this. And then they come back and they say, but Lord, do you want us to fix this? Do you want us to make it right? And he says, no. An enemy has done this, but let them grow together. The good and the bad, the wheat and the tare. Jesus leaves the nuance of this parable for us. In the summer, in the growing season, in the days when we are thriving most, the good and the bad are sometimes hard to delineate. And at the harvest, though, the truth is made clear. We marry and we bury in the church. And those services of worship are full of joy for those who are being married and point to God's good gifts at work for those who are being buried and to the hope that we have in the resurrection. In accompany them with singing, theologian Tom Long says the fact is that people die pretty much as they have lived. A person who blesses the world at death has not learned this in the last few hours of their life, but this person has been shaped and has shaped the world, living a life of blessings. He goes on to say that the best preparation for dying a Christian death then is for living a Christian life. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus teaches about how to live this Christian life. He says to his disciples, they say, hate your enemies, but I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven 
who makes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. God deals with the evil. Let God be the judge. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus predicts to his disciples that one's enemies will be members of one's own household. And he encourages his disciples to find the whole of their lives in Christ, in him, and his ways of overflowing love, which could mean to lose the sense of control and that ability to judge others. God deals with evil. Let God be the judge. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus teaches his disciples about God's judgment in the story of the sheep and the goats. When the goats ask, but but Lord, when did we see you hungry but not give you food? And Jesus answers, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These unkind those who do not take appropriate actions. Jesus says they will go away into eternal punishment. God deals with the evil. Let God be the judge. Jesus says it clearly. Our job is to let them, the good and the bad, grow together and to entrust our lives to one who deals with the evil and who is the judge. Examining our hearts, living a good Christian life and not judging does not mean a life of inaction, but it's a clarion call to a life lived in fierce, loving kindness. These days, we are being called to live this Christian life with resilience. Dr. Lucy Hone directs the Institute for Well-Being and Resilience, and her research names three skills, three skills that are important for resilience, for living life well. Jesus came and he says to his father, I came that you might have life and you might have it abundantly, that my joy that I know with the father might be known in you. Dr. Hone, in her research, says of suffering and adversity that that evil brings, that it doesn't discriminate. A gift of living a good Christian life does not free us from bad things happening to good people. In a TED Talk, she identifies these three skills that make for resilient people. She said, resilient people recognize that adversity happens. It is the way of life. However, she says, the tragedy is that in the world that we live in, it seems like we can project perfectness and happiness. We can fail to recognize that adversity is a way that happens, that does not discriminate. Resilient people recognize that adversity happens. 
Her second skill is that resilient people know how to focus and where to focus their attention. They, they learn how to tune into the good. Humans, we are hardwired for the negative. When someone says something ugly to you, you tend to hold on to that more than you do when somebody says something really kind to you. We are hardwired for the negative. But she says the second skill is resilient people choose to focus and they know how to focus their intention. They hunt for the good in the midst of the bad. And then her third skill is she says resilient people ask themselves as they navigate every day is what I am doing, is it helping me or is it hurting me? Is it helping us or is it hurting us? John Lewis, an icon of the civil rights movement who died yesterday, said in an interview, I've said to students over and over again, when you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have a moral obligation to do something, to say something, or to get in there and to make good trouble. John Lewis was a resilient leader. With evil's roar of discrimination, white supremacy, and overt racism, as a young man, John Lewis used the whole of his life as a resilient witness to Christ-loving kindness. He lived together in the presence of good and evil, as we all do. The now is urgent. As Jesus says, anyone with ears, listen. When we see something that is not right, not fair, not just, we have a moral obligation to do something, to say something. What are we doing? What are we saying? How are our hearts? How are we living a good Christian life? Those are the questions, aren't they? May God be glorified now and forever. Amen.